Hey, this is Elisa from Spoken Views Reno, and you're listening to Up in the Mix. Welcome to another edition of Up in the Mix, coming to you hot from various locations. This is Sean, aka the Truth, aka the Super Nicest, aka the Nar Mr. R, aka not the black dude that you thought I was. This is Caesar, aka De La Foto, and I am too tired to do some AKAs today. The Honey Badger needs some sleep. <laughs> <laughs> wow, first time not gonna say the AKAs. Man, I am beat. So, like, uh, you know how my week. I've been working overtime this week. I've been working um, about 11 hours a day at home. And then yesterday after work, uh, you know, after dinner, um, I st- we're going to paint the bathroom. So I taped up the bathroom for a couple of hours after dinner. Then after that, then I started doing the radio, sh- the podcast and doing all the notes there and putting Leia to sleep and just, you know, I didn't go to sleep till like two o'clock this morning. Damn. Yeah. It's always funny when you do uh, the overtime. So like, we don't talk all week and I'm always like, Oh, like I'll text him like, Oh, he's not even off work yet. Yeah. And then, yeah, I I work in eight to eight, you know, that hour lunch. So it's 11 hours and just like in front of the computer, 11 hours, just ticking away, getting paid. And, and then, uh, yeah, then the ladies come after work and, you know, Tanya makes dinner. And then after I'm off, I have some dinner. I hang out for a little bit. And then I had to take apart some of the bathroom, you know, to like tape it up nice. So it makes it easier for, you know, this evening and tomorrow to paint the bathroom and get it all done. And then I still had to do, you know, we had to do our uh, our outline for this, uh, you know, podcast today. And like a normal dad, I was up at like 730. My body was just like, all right, time to get to work, poppy, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just pretty rough week. Yeah, and I got another one. I got overtime three days next week, too. And then the week after that, more overtime. So the man doesn't give bonuses, so you got to work for your money out here in the streets. <laughs> <laughs> How was your week, Sean? Uh, it was it, it was an odd week. Uh, more craziness. My parents uh, moved back from New York. They got here on Sunday nights. And then so they were staying in an Airbnb until their furniture came to the new place. But uh, Tuesday, there was a fire here, and their Airbnb just happened to be up right where the fire was, so they had to evacuate Tuesday <laughs> afternoon from their Airbnb to get away from the fire. So, you know, dealing with that, still working from home until Friday, went back to work yesterday and found out, you know, like two of my coworkers had COVID and their families, so that's why the school was closed for two weeks, and dealing with all that. We didn't have any kids show up yesterday. One of the few kids we still had in person switched to distance ed because he's got diabetes mm-hmm. and his parents are concerned, you know, about mm-hmm. him getting sick and having some complications. So, and then, uh, you know, this morning went over, helped my dad uh, move a bunch of furniture into the, to their, their temporary house. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, yeah, it was a it was a it's interesting and busy week. Sounds like it. Yeah, welcome welcome back to Reno family uh, to uh, a fire. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I told him. I was like, welcome back to Reno. Like, you guys have been here less than forty eight hours, and already something crazy is happening. And yeah. They ended up staying in a hotel for a couple nights, and then the furniture got delivered late last night, so they they had to sleep on air mattresses. It's just <laughs> it's been a wild week, it's and been it's a wild week, and it was super windy too. Like on the day of the fire, it was crazy. Yeah, well, it's just 2020, man. And then Clay Thompson got hurt. We'll talk more about we'll that. We'll talk later. about yeah, we'll talk about that later. You know, a lot of sad, I, lot of sad stuff coming around. I was just like, like. Like 2020. <laughs> Hashtag 2020. Yes. Man. <laughs> so Man. Uh, um, today we have a very special guest. I met this guy actually through the interwebs and it was actually through hip hop. I put something about probably like hip hop lyrics, uh, lyricists on the interwebs. And, you know, we weren't following each other at the time. And he started to, uh, you know, we started a little conversation about hip hop. And then from there, uh, you know, I kind of creeped on his Instagram and saw that he did coffee. And I was like, hey, I love coffee, actually. And he's like, oh, yeah. And then we started talking about coffee. So through uh, IG, I have met uh, a friend of mine. And his name is Tim Milano from Triple Coffee. Welcome to the show. This is a, a friendship made in heaven right here. You guys are perfectly matched. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I was like, man, uh, I love hip-hop. I, I see that you have uh, uh, a hip-hop podcast. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, like, there was actually about, like, a year and a half or about two years where I went, like, I did a deep dive in, in hip-hop. Um, there was this uh, cool uh, internet service called turntable.fm. I don't know if you guys... Dude, I used to be on that. Bro. I... Dude, how much fun was that? Love with the capital L, man. Yeah. Whoa. And um, so, yeah, like, actually, I became a lot of... Uh, well, here, let me... For those who don't know what turntable.fm is... Uh, and, and by the way, we need, to, we need to bring that back. That was the dopest... Oh, it was fire. It was fire. <laughs> So, um, but it was basically like a bunch of virtual rooms where uh, people could jump on a virtual stage to DJ. Um, but um, the audience would like upvote you or downvote you. And if you got enough downvotes, you would get automatically booted off the stage. So, you know, there was just pressure to like, you know, <laughs> just bring the fire, right? And so like, I discovered uh, this room called Hip Hop Official, and uh, dude, like snobbiest like hip hop heads ever. Just like only wanted like underground, like just dope hits. Um, and so then, uh, you know, I just like learned a lot about hip hop, about like hip hop history, and then I just started like, and they encouraged people to like just dig, you know, like dig through the virtual crates to just kind of bring something fresh it, it was it was such one upmanship man like i would play local reno stuff on there like i was playing who cares and other and local bay area stuff just yeah. and like people would they, oh i never heard of this before like i remember because a lot of people were on the east coast and they hadn't heard like a lot of uh, the bay area west coast stuff yeah that's yep. so funny you were on there because i love like <laughs> oh i loved it dude yeah 
and uh, uh, like, and then if you had enough upvotes, you know, you would accumulate points, and then you can like upgrade your avatar. So like, you know, when you first got in there, you were this kind of like weak ass little, uh, uh, like what's that? Um, like just like a little weak ass cartoon. Like um, was it a teddy bear or something? Something like that. Something like something stupid, right? <laughs> but then like in the other route, like the other people would have um, like gorillas or they'd have aliens or, you know, just like dope avatars and you're like, whoa, that's tight. But they have like a lot of points, right? So actually I've got like kind of like a coding background, right? Um, so I actually figured out a hack to like accumulate points. <laughs> so you just be that big old gorilla DJing? Yeah, dude. I, yeah, towards the end, I was like the big gorilla. It was, it was cool, man. Um, oh, that, that's so fine man there's only a couple people i know that knew about that but i was in grad school and i didn't work every day so like the days i didn't work or have class i would sit there for hours just trying to like get us because there's only five spots at a time trying to get up there and then yeah. you had to like prove yourself or else you'd get booted super fast <laughs> so you had to play fire <laughs> well, yeah for sure no and like the, we had some like pretty cool cats running that room like eventually they actually got um like uh like real hip-hop artists to like do guest spots uh in the in the room and uh they would like the, ad the admins would clear the stage i think we had one guy from like hieroglyphics on there um i don't know a few other people uh it was it was a lot of fun <laughs> and actually I, I became friends with a lot of those guys like we're in touch through through Facebook, through phones. Like one of my friends was from DC. He was out in San Francisco. We, we met up, we had him over, we had some champagne. It was cool. That's, that's so tight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The internet's amazing, man. <laughs> that's like understatement of the year. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, explain your little, your background, where are you from, um, you know? Yeah, for sure. So, uh, well, uh, yeah, I mean, I was born in Oakland, uh, Kaiser, Permanente, you know, Kamala <laughs> Harris, and then um, I, uh, but my family is from Mexico, actually, from uh, a, a small city called Tepatitlan, Jalisco, uh, Tepa. Uh, there's a lot of people from Tepa here in the Bay Area. Uh, actually, you guys know uh, Chewy Gomez from, he used to be on 106 KNEL, mm -hmm. Chewy Gomez. Um, no, you know, just like a local hip hop persona, and uh, so he's from from Depa. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm right, <laughs> I'll, we'll take anyone, anyone we can get. But uh, yeah, I grew up in the East Bay. Um, grew up in San Pablo, California. It's a small city right next to Richmond, and then um, I don't know for you know one way. One way or another, I just got kind of like roped into like academic programs uh, at UC Berkeley. And so I ended up going to Cal and studying engineering there. Um, and uh, that was tough, toughest thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, toughest thing. One of the toughest things I've ever done. But, you know, it actually kind of prepared me for, to like just keep like embracing complexity, keep like embracing challenges. And like, you know, it was kind of like, uh, like, boot camp you know like you once you make it through cal um you can make it through a lot of challenging 
uh, situations. And so that's, it prepared me a lot for the rest of my career. Um, yeah, I mean, eventually I went to grad school. Actually, I got a, I got a PhD in, in engineering. Um, yeah. Um, and then uh, went to Germany for a few years uh, to do um, just some extra scientific training in, in neuroscience. Wow. And, then, um, and then decided like, you know, I just wasn't really that into academia. I didn't want to become a professor. I wanted to become an entrepreneur. Um, you know, just like my, my kind of career training, my, my trajectory was kind of like, again, like embracing um, difficult challenges. And uh, so it kind of motivated me to uh, become an entrepreneur. So, uh, but I didn't know anything about business. I didn't know anything about starting my own company. So I just thought, all right, well, I might as well just start with like working at startups in San Francisco. Uh, Cause you know, I'm originally from the Bay area. Um, so, um, you know, best place in my, my opinion, best place in the world to be for, for technology. Right. Um, like everything is happening here. So I just came back home. Like I came back home from Germany um, without like a real plan. I, I actually came back to my my bedroom <laughs> that I grew up in. You know, I went back to the bed, uh, you know, full, the, the bed that I slept in when I was at my parents' house, just full circle. And then um, started from scratch, uh, found a cool job at a startup. Um, and then did that for a few years. And some friends from grad school invited me to join a research group at IBM, IBM Research. So um, again, like just uh, an opportunity to work on like cutting edge stuff, super, super challenging. You know, just like the first week I was there, they're like, you know, like if you're gonna make it in this group, like you have to drink from a fire hose, like, um, you know, just, like full-on like immersion because there I had a lot of learning to do um and uh but you know I did it like I I had to jump through a lot of hoops at, at IBM to like uh end up being uh in the position that I was at which was like one of the top positions in the in the research group um and then yeah so that was like four years four and a half years that I was there and then I just got, you know, I sort of felt like I was um, kind of like at the top of like the technology food chain, right? Like I was, I was, we were working on like bleeding edge stuff, right? But, you know, like I had accomplished that and then I was like, all right, like what's next? You know, like um, I, I looked around and I saw a lot of like career corporate people who had been, you know, in their corporate jobs for decades and they had like, nice homes, like comfortable lifestyle, they had families, uh, you know, they were, you know, kind of, you know, at cruising altitude, right? And I was just like, you know, like, that's great, right? Like that, you know, they're, they're, they've got stability, they've got security, but like, I, it's not fulfilling me. Like I need, like, I need to be out there, like building something uh, from scratch. Like I need the challenges, like, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like the hunter gatherer situation. Like I'm, I'm more of a hunter, less of a <laughs> gatherer. Right. Um, and so, 
um, you know, I just got, I got to the point in my life where like, it was like now or never. Um, and so I just, uh, I made the leap of faith and, you know, just, you know, I quit my job <laughs> and, you know, just started exploring like, all right, well, what's next? What's next? And, you know, like, I wasn't like unprepared, right? Like, um, this has been on my mind for years. And so I had been, you know, saving money, you know, like I didn't buy a house in San Francisco. Um, and so, uh, so instead of, um, putting my savings into a house and like just taking on a mountain of debt, I just use that to like invest in myself and like invest in my ideas. Um, and you know, like I played around with some tech ideas, uh, you know, talk to buddies of mine in tech about, you know, getting something off the ground, but that stuff didn't pan out. And I took a trip to Central America and just like, you know, discovered like amazing coffee, like amazing coffee. And like the experience of like sitting there with the coffee farmer and like tasting their coffee, like hearing their story, hearing like how they produce it, um, you know, connecting with them in like a real way. And I just thought like, that was an amazing experience. Why don't we have that back home? You know, like back home, San Francisco Bay Area, uh, we've got awesome coffee. Mm -hmm. You know, shout out to the roasters here. Right. Uh, you know, coffee game, coffee level is high, right? It is, yep. Um, but like, like there's something missing there. Like there's that human element that's missing that like, sure, we can like sit around, taste the coffee, but like, you know, I, I just discovered this whole different dimension to coffee and I realized that like, it's cool and that maybe there's an opportunity there. Um, so, you know, like, again, going back to technology, you guys and I, we're talking, right? Like where you guys are geographically hundreds of miles away, but we're seeing each other and we're, we're connecting, right? Like, you know, guess what? The internet is all over the world. Like, why aren't we jumping on Zoom calls or Google Hangouts or Instagram Lives with people from Central America, um, with coffee farmers and like tasting their coffee and hearing their story. Um, and uh, so that's the question that I asked, like, why, why not? Why aren't we doing this? And um, so that's, that's kind of the, uh, that just got me started on this, this whole trajectory that I'm on right now. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I came back to San Francisco. I, um, <laughs> I don't know if you guys are familiar with this uh, social network called Nextdoor. It's kind of like the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. My girlfriend and I are on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like if you jump on it here in the marina. So basically, if you don't know what uh, what Nextdoor is, it's like it's like Facebook, but like it's localized. Like it's like a local. It's by neighborhood, so you can only jump on and communicate with people in your neighborhood. So that's why it's called Nextdoor. And uh, so it's like a neighborhood-based social network. And on mine, you know, it's basically like a lot of older people complaining about like homeless people, about like garbage in the streets. There's a lot of trolling happening. So <laughs> it's actually kind of funny to watch all these people like lose their shit <laughs> about, you know, petty things. Um, so I just jumped on next door and I created a coffee club. Okay. I was like, 
boom, Marina Coffee Club, um, coffee fans, you know, jump in the group. And like that post ended up being like the, the highest rated post of the week. And I don't know, like in two weeks, I had a hundred people sign up and you know, we just like, that was just kind of like my way to like jumpstart this thing. Uh, that's genius though. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. You know, like, you know, I, I essentially like I had the coffee sources, right. Because I traveled to the coffee source. I met the coffee producers. Um, I tasted a lot of coffee. So I, I already knew like who were my potential collaborators. So I just needed to work on the other side of the equation, which was like the demand side, you know, I got the supply side. Now let's, let's work on the demand side. So, but like, I'm not coming from a coffee background. I just know what's delicious. So I needed to kind of like find a way to like understand like what people want, like how people think I needed to do my market research. Um, and so then, you know, for a few months, every other weekend I was meeting with people in my neighborhood and like doing the virtual thing. Like we would, I would brew some coffee. Uh, we would taste it and we would jump on Google, Google Hangouts and talk to the coffee producers. And, um, and so then, you know, like it was fun. You, it made, was that super you made that connection from yeah, like... building, building that relationship exactly. between what they're, what they're experiencing and, and who helped create it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And like understanding like what, you know, what is their, what is their life experience? Like if you go to a, a, like any roaster, a lot of them have um, pictures of farmers, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, you know, farmers in Central America, farmers in Africa, but I don't know who they are, right? Like at some point they just become pictures and like- Yeah, they could just be like Getty images they pulled off online, you know? Exactly, exactly. Or, you know, it just feels like that, you know, you're just flipping through another National Geographic. Like, who are these people? Mm -hmm. I don't you know, just like, I hate to say this, it sounds weird, but like once you've seen a few, you've seen them all. And so like that human element is missing. And so that's, that's what I'm trying to bring. And in that sense, like we can start questioning like, well, what, what are the impacts of paying for cheap coffee, right? Like we want like consumers in the US, like just by our training, just by decades, or you know, centuries of coffee consumption, we expect coffee to be cheap and to be like readily available, just like bananas, right? Like we want bananas year round at 79 cents a pound. <laughs> what are the implications for like people who are actually working in the banana plantations, right? Like there's, there are real consequences to that mentality. And so my hope is by, you know, doing these virtual events and like people here connecting with people over there, you know, creating that short circuit between coffee consumer and coffee producer is that we can start thinking about the consequences of, of our uh, consumption of our decisions of what we consume. And so, you know, that's the mission that, that I'm on and that, you know, it's, it's my flag, right? Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Flag. I mean, that's, that's, that's awesome. Amazing. And especially from the Bay Area, um, because like, especially like the West Coast, they want to feel that connection from like farm to table kind of thing, you know, 
and you're bringing this even closer because when it goes like farm to table, you necessarily don't don't see the farmer. You don't even see the chef either. You know, you just know it's from there, and you're bringing them closer than that. You're like, hey, this homie right here, he picked the 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 cherry that yeah. that made the coffee. You know? Yeah. No, and it gets real, man. Like, um, I I'm directly in touch with the producers that I source coffee from, and some of the conversations that I have with them are like very, you know, they're, they're a bit heartbreaking because, um, you know, they just, they come from a place that uh, have limited resources and they're limited economically. Um, you know, the typical uh, micro farmer, which mm-hmm. is what I call the farmers that I work with, you know, farmers with like 10 acres of land or less, um, you know, they're constantly in debt to you know try to make ends meet and then they rely on their uh you know once a year harvest to pay off that debt and you know have hopefully have a little more so that you know they can send their kids to school you know buy you know maintain the family right yeah what uh what countries are are they in there Are, are any of these countries they're in uh politically unstable as well yeah politically unstable um you know very little security. Uh, so um, again, because my mission is to like have a true connection with the source and have a genuine connection with you guys, the coffee consumers. I I source coffees from countries that I've visited, only coffees that I've visited. Because any roaster right now, if I wanted to, I can go to the local importer. Mm-hmm. Get a, an amazing menu of Kenyan coffees, Ethiopian coffees, yeah, different coffees. grades. They got a, they got a point system. They got, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I can, like people ask me, Oh, why don't you, why don't you have Ethiopian coffees? Blah, blah, blah. Well, I haven't visited Ethiopia, mm-hmm. you know, like, and when I start carrying Ethiopian coffees, it's because I visited Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now I'm carrying Honduran coffees, you know, that's where I visited. That's where I have the, the closest connections. Um, and, uh, and we'll be adding more soon. Yeah. How did those connections happen? Were you just hiking and like tripped and fell onto, <laughs> onto the farm? Like, how do you just like, you know, meet these uh, farmers of coffee? Um, well, you know, it just starts with friends. Um, so I, I became friends with a really cool cat in, um, in Honduras and he invited me to visit him. And, uh, you know, why not? Right. Like yeah, yeah. I was kind of like on my spiritual entrepreneurial track getting out of that corporate lifestyle you know yeah man (laughs) like you know god bless you if you can handle it but it was like it was killing my soul like i i I die a a little bit i I worked after graduating college for a for a fortune 500 company in a cubicle for two and a half years and i fucking like it was good money but I, i i hated myself like i hated I was taking advantage again of independent, you know, it was a logistics. I was taking advantage of people to make money for a corporation and I wasn't getting anything from it. And it, it was just, it was like soul killing is exactly how I described it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I think it's, um, I don't know, you know, like I've, uh, I grew up, uh, in, well, like my formative years, you know, my high school years were in the late nineties. And I don't know if you guys remember this thing called like Prop 187. Uh, it was like 
this proposition that was pushed by a Republican governor we had at the time that basically wanted to like strip all public services from uh, quote unquote illegal immigrants. So that means if you didn't have, you know, proper papers, you couldn't go to the, you couldn't go to school, you couldn't get healthcare, you couldn't drive on the roads, you couldn't go to public parks, blah, blah, like, and it was just like scapegoating on, you know, scapegoating society's problems, right? So it's so short-sighted too, because those people work and pay taxes and they're part of the economy and they're Mm -hmm. part of these communities. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that, those were my formative years and that, God, man, it, it made just such a huge impact on me. Like this, this need to like, want to feel like, uh, you know, I'm having impact on society, like on, you know, what I can call my people, right? Like mm-hmm. my, my background is Mexican, you know, Latin Americans. I have, I feel like a kinship with them and not just them, right? Like all like kind of underprivileged people of the world. Like I just, I want to do what I can to like, change like societal problems and this like engineering scientific track while yes like it's good to be in that because then you become a role model for people um like okay like that guy is is uh is latino he's doing big things um that's that can be inspirational and i did that i did that for many many years um but it just got to the point where like um I needed that like human element of like my career. And so that's, that's where I find myself today. Um, how are your, how are your parents and family when you were going through all this? Were they, were they worried when you quit your night? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I went through a similar, you know, you work so hard, you go to college, you get this great job and then you quit it. Like how, how were they? Were they supportive? Were they worried about you? Especially people of color parents. Like my mom is happy. I work for the man, but I, my soul isn't, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's um, it's uh, I mean they're still worried. <laughs> <laughs> they're um, but I think like you know it, you know my my dad is uh you know he's he had his uh, stable job for decades, decades. I mean I want to say like he worked for uh oh so my dad worked for Richmond Sanitary Service. It's a garbage company in the East Bay, for like um close to 40 years, close to 40 years. Um, and that, that like what he provided for us was like stability um, and like, you know, just like, and stability is important when you're raising a family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, but like, you know, when I, when like you know, my dad gives me career advice, he's like, find a stable job, you know, <laughs> stick to that. And, uh, and make a lot of babies. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's, I, that's just not in my DNA. Um, so, but um, they, like, they're starting to come around to this idea of the coffee company. And only because, like, I'm actually starting to have, like, really great success. Um, and, uh, you know, like, again, part of my training has always been, like, you know, just strive to be the best. Like, work my ass off to like uh just bring excellence like bring excellence forward and uh that you know i embody that that's embodied in like the types of coffees that i source um i i don't like kind of like one part of my checklist for like whether or not i'm going to work with the farmers like have they been competing in coffee competitions because there are like 
internationally regarded coffee competitions um, and like, um, or, you know, what's the point, what's like, what's the score of their coffee? Mm -hmm. Is it like a highly scoring coffee? Cause there's a way to score coffees. Um, and uh, so I, I only want to work with the best farmers. Um, I, I prefer to work with farmers that um, aren't crushing it. Um, like if I had to choose between like two farmers that have equal levels of coffee, um, but one is like, they've got like their, their buyers, they're doing well, they're thriving. And another one that is just like, you know, struggling, then I'm going to choose the guy that's struggling. Needs a little like, bit more help. Yeah. And because like, I want, like, I want my relationship to like support excellence, right? Like, and on the other hand, I want to bring you guys excellent coffee. Um, and so then for roasters, there's competitions that you can enter. And uh, so I've been entering these competitions and these like coffee reviews and we're just, we're crushing it, man. Like we're doing so well. Um, and it's been our first year. Uh, I don't have a coffee background. I know what delicious coffee tastes like and looks like. Um, and so, uh, and so, you know, I'm just kind of playing that competition game. Yeah. Cause right now you're a finalist in the good food competition, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Congrats. Uh, explain how do you get into that and like, do you just submit? Like, how does it work? Yeah. So, well, so first the, the good food awards, um, is a competition run by the good food foundation. Uh, so shout out to them. Um, and their, their mission is to bring like gourmet foods, not just coffee, but like, um, like go onto their website. They have different categories. Yeah. There's, there's, there's like beer, cheese, like there's just hundreds of categories. Yeah. Charcuterie, mm -hmm. whatever that means. Um, <laughs> <laughs> whatever fancy word that is. Yeah. I had to like figure yeah. out how to pronounce that one. Um, <laughs> And then, uh, so they got different categories, but their mission is to bring uh, gourmet foods uh, to gourmet foods that are sustainably sourced, environmentally conscious, um, you know, like respect, like labor uh, conditions. So, you know, like, you know, like kind of woke gourmet food is, is the best way to put it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, uh, it's internet or, I don't know internationally, but definitely nationally prominent. Um, you know, you just get like the best people submitting to that. And uh, like two weeks ago, um, I learned that uh, one of the coffees that I submitted, you could submit two. I could only submit one because if you submit two coffees, they have to be from different regions. Uh, but I'm only sourcing from Honduras mm -hmm. at the time. So I learned that uh, the one coffee I submitted is a good food finalist. Um, and there were like over 300 coffees submitted and I'm in the top 30 and, you know, we're talking about like Onyx, right. We're talking about like all of like the dope roasters, like large and small mm -hmm. submitting and we're in the top 30. That's so, awesome. Yeah. I mean, how long, so when did you start triple coffee? How long have you guys been operating? So officially, we incorporated November twentieth. Yeah, so happy birthday! 
So a year ago today, and you're already in the top thirty in the in the in the state in the whole the country. In the country, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah. We don't fuck around with little mediocre people that up in the mix. Nothing but the best. Just excellence. Yeah. Excellence up in this show. Ain't nobody got time for that. No. <laughs> we, only, we only got time to worry about what's great. And if you're not if or if you're about to be great, you know? So yeah. having launched in, in November of last year. How did the pandemic and everything that came down in February affect the business and the business model? And especially the weather. Didn't they have like hurricanes in Honduras and stuff too? Oh my God. No, man. Like it just felt like the world was coming to an end. (laughs) Parents were probably extra worried. (laughs) Everything, everything went to hell, man. Like in a major way, in a major, major way. I mean, I, I, I had a existential crisis. So here's, here's the way it goes, right? Like, we launched November, you know, you know, here's triple coffee trying to connect coffee farmers to coffee consumers. I fly a farmer from Honduras to San Francisco to stay with me. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I set up a bunch of tastings with uh, tech companies, with co-working spaces. And um, it turns out that this farmer um, that, uh, that I work with, a movie was made about him and his family, well, inspired by him and his family. This movie ended up being the Honduran submission to the Oscars. Wow. So, um, so then uh, I, he tells me about this. We had already been working for a few months. And he was like, Tim, like, you know, just, to, just so you know, there's uh, this movie that was inspired by my family and like, you know, it's being screened in LA and like in the Bay area, it's for the Oscars. And I was like, what? Like no big deal. <laughs> just like, yeah. well, I'm just a coffee farmer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so then I was like, dude, like, that's amazing. Like, what can I do to help? And, uh, he was like, well, like, um, the production team, the director and the producer, um, they've got flights to California to go to the screenings, but I don't. Um, so like, is there any, any way you can help me with that? And I was like, dude, that's a no brainer, right? Like, um, you know, fly one of my producers, one of my all-star producers, um, cup of excellence finalist for the last five years, cup of excellence is like, if that's a Michelin star competition for coffee producers. Ooh. And uh, so he's been a finalist, him and his family have been finalists for the last five years. Like, you know, movie being submitted to the Oscars, I'm like, done. Like, so I just like jump online, I buy him a flight and, uh, you know, and it's, you know, it's a way to help him, but of course it's a way to help triple coffee, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's a great way to like jumpstart the brand. So I reach out to companies to do tastings in their office. This is the heyday, you know, the peak of like the economic cycle, like companies are crushing it. They don't care about like money's just being thrown everywhere. Right? <laughs> it's the fourth um, quarter, you know, yeah, the yeah, four times. Uh-huh. So, um, so I pitched this, the companies, you guys want to meet like a coffee producer, Oscar movie, blah, blah. They're like, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we set up tastings. And like, you know, we tasted, we, we set up tastings with like four or five companies, half of them converted to like being customers for triple coffee. 
Um, so that meant that like triple coffee, just like this was December. We started in November. The tastings were December by January. It was like zero to a hundred, man. Like I, we were like supplying coffee to like, like the dopest companies in San Francisco. So I was like, you know, great. <laughs> Looking good. Yeah. yeah. Off to a great start. Check me out, mom. Check me out. Yeah. Yeah. So we're good. This, you know, January, <laughs> February. And then, you know, by then, like we start hearing about COVID. I was actually in, in Honduras, uh, January, February, um, you know, just sourcing more coffee. I get back um, and then just like, boom, COVID, just like <laughs> cases going through the roof, offices shutting down. And then, and then I start getting emails from these offices. Like, you know, we sincerely apologize, but, uh, we're going to have to pause, you know, our, you know, our contract, you know, indefinitely. And then it was just like a hundred to zero. <laughs> um, and, uh, man like that was a that was those dark two weeks there were really dark two weeks where i didn't know what was going to happen next i mean look the reason why i can like jump into this venture is because first of all like i've been preparing myself with like savings and blah blah so i've got like a safety net um but then you know i've got an engineering degree right like i can always just apply to some company right and engineering uh, or technology companies took a hit, but then like, in another sense, they're also like the, the sector of the economy that's really thriving. So, um, so there's that, right? Like I can always just apply to, to a company. Um, but you know, that's not, again, like, that's not what I want to do. So then I just figured out, all right, well, what's next? What's next? Um, and so for the first three months of Triple Coffee, we were basically doing like B2B, right? Like business to business, enterprise, enterprise sales. Um, I always knew that I needed to work on my direct to consumer strategy. So then I was like, well, it looks like this is the time to do it. Um, and so, uh, you know, I basically like jumped on my computer, started designing the label. Um, and then, you know, really like starting setting, you know, I started setting up my online store like in a, in a proper way and um, launched that. And then it was like, all right, well, how do I start getting sales? And so I just started reaching out to people directly on Instagram, just like, like, hey, we've, we're triple coffee. We've got amazing coffee. This is our mission. Are you interested? And uh, I don't know if it like why, but, but people were interested. They're like, yeah, I'm down to try you out. And yeah, you know, like just in like the, the two months of shelter in place, like, I don't know how many orders I got, but like, I, I suddenly I had like a hundred customers that were like buying coffee from Triple Coffee. Um, and so like that, and then people started posting on Instagram and like, fine, like, I don't like, I didn't get a windfall of cash, you know, things started to trickle in, but like that stuff fuels you like in a mm -hmm. major way. You just get excited and pumped to keep pushing the business and keep doing well, it. Was a it was hope. It was a lifeline, right? Like it, it showed you this was possible. Exactly. 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 And then, um, but so I think what ended up happening was that 
people, everyone was freaking out. Right. Um, you know, you don't, you didn't know if you could like go outside and like, you know, it's in the air, you breathe it and then like, and then you die. Right. Like no one knew what was happening. You didn't know if you could like, you didn't know if you could touch your mail. Like, I mean, it was fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in like the most, the worst way possible. And so people were like just freaking out inside um, on Instagram. <laughs> people were on the gram, boy. And, um, so, uh, you know, like my, you know, my thing was to like just reach out to people, tell them the triple coffee story, um, have a fun, you know, conversation, like connect with people. Uh, because people, I, 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 my intuition tells me like people don't buy your coffee because you say it's good or because of, um, you know, the price point or because you give them a discount. I've given people discounts and they, they never take, they never take up the offer. Um, it's, it's because like, because of like the relationship that you build. And uh, so I was just like working on building relationships with people. Um, and you know, people were again, like freaking out and they didn't have a way to go out. And so Instagram was their way out. And so I just thought, all right, well, like, I don't have a cafe, but like, we can kind of create like a cafe type of experience where like, when you go into the cafe, you meet the barista, you meet the person that at the cash register, you chop it up with them, uh, and you have a great day. So I was like, well, let's, let's do that. Let's create like a virtual community where people can check in and uh, chop it up. And I love chopping it up. <laughs> so that's, that's what I did for several months. Yeah. Just to get things off the ground. And then, uh, yeah. So then I learned about these uh, comp coffee competitions that we could submit to. Um, yeah, we actually, we, that's what we were talking about, right? Like, how do you get into the yeah. thing? Yeah, we can. I mean, if you guys want to talk about something else, we can do that. No, this is this is about you, yeah. Story. Yeah, this is an amazing story. Yeah. People, you know, when we have guests on, we love hearing about the process because that's what makes your brand or whatever you're doing special. It's it's the process and and your 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 go the story mm -hmm. why you're doing. It. So yeah, yeah. So that. yeah, so then I um I I connected with um this uh this guy in San Francisco that um has an amazing coffee brand. Um, it's called Port of Mocha, super delicious coffee. I highly recommend people uh, to look into that. Uh, he's got a man, he's got a story. Like, there's like a New York Times bestseller was written about his story. Hmm. Um, and uh, it's called uh, Monk of Mocha. So, he, as far as I can tell, kind of put Yemen coffees on the map. Um, and, uh, you know, like, just all-star coffee, like critically acclaimed. So I, you know, I connected with him um, and I was like, you know, like, how do you, how do you do what you do? So he was like, well, there's these coffee competitions um, that you can submit your coffees to those things like end up being like great marketing things and like it's a validation of what you're doing. So I, you know, I just started submitting coffees to, the, to these reviews and these competitions um, and like, in September, in August, we submitted a coffee, really awesome coffee. We call it the Japanese exclusive uh, because up until now it was exclusive, exclusively only found in Japan. 
um, at some like, you know, niche roastery. And um, I submitted the Japanese exclusive to like a annual review of Central American coffees. And of 62 coffees, our coffee ranked number two. Um, mm. And again, like, yeah. like, you know, just name the top roasters in the Bay Area and, you know, the US or the world and they all submit. Um, and the top three, um, we were the only ones in the US. The others were like micro roasters in, in Asia. And it, I mean, the coffee is just like, that coffee has converted a lot of people from like, you know, Pete's, Phil's, whatever. <laughs> you know, because people are passionate about their no, coffee. They like, are. No, I'm a Pete's person. Like, it fills with the mint, you know, they put it up in there. You yeah, know? Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so like, you know, but that, that Japanese exclusive, man, it's fire. It's delicious. Mm -hmm. and people love it when they taste it. Uh, so that was like number two in coffee review. And then, um, and then I learned about, dude, last minute, I learned about good food, the good food awards. Um, and then I was like, yeah, like, I, cause I had seen that, that sticker on like, um, like again, top roasters. Like I, I visited their website and like, I started to see that like beautiful blue sticker on, I was like, all right, like, that's a pretty cool badge. Like, what is that? And then, um, like one week before the, uh, the deadline to submit coffee, um, came up, I saw that, uh, I, you know, I, I saw that I could submit. So, um, I just like jumped on it and like submitted this, uh, the other coffee, um, uh, by Abel Giron, that's his name, the farmer's name. Um, the, uh, I submitted the Pacamara natural and the Pac Pacamara is a varietal. It's like, um, you know, in the wine world, the equivalent would be like, uh, you know, like a Pinot Noir or like a Chardonnay or like uh, Cabernet. Those are all varietals. So that exists in the coffee world. So Pacamara is a varietal. It's a varietal that's been winning a lot of competitions. That one and this other one called Geisha. That's another really like high end coffee. So, and, and the natural is because of the way the coffee is processed. So like the, the coffee cherries are picked uh, from the tree and they're laid out to dry um, with the fruit, the skin and all, like the entire fruit is laid out to dry. Uh, and so as it's drying, the coffee bean that's in the center absorbs all of the fruitiness uh, and, and even some like ferment, like fermented fruit mm -hmm. flavors. That, um, that when you roast, which is essentially baking, um, just turns into this like amazing fruity coffee. Like, like it just tastes like cherry Coke or like, or like cherry Kool-Aid. It's like, you know, just next level. So I submitted that to the good food uh, competition. And then, and then I hear back that like, we've made it to like the second round. There's like essentially two rounds. So they invited me to submit uh, again. And then, um, yeah, and then, you know, like a month later, we find out that, uh, that we're finalists. And so we're waiting to hear if, mm -hmm. if we win. Uh, they'll announce the winners in January. And that would be huge. That would be massive. Yeah. Because uh, basically then you're like on a national platform. And it's like, 
like merchants, like gourmet food merchants jump on to like a virtual event and they, they sample all of the good food award winners. Um, there's like a, they set up like a pop-up shop where followers of good food can like go on and shop for good food award winners. Um, you know, it's just like, it becomes like now like a national event that's like, like streamed. Uh, and um, yeah, then you're super legit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, right? Mm -hmm. God willing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, so that's kind of where we find ourselves at now. Um, and like we launched, um, ah, yeah. So <laughs> you guys remember, right? Like when we first launched this, this was all about connecting with the farmers, like virtually, right? Um, so in a way we had already started doing like virtual coffee tastings, like even before COVID. And then shelter in place happens, all the companies start working remotely. Uh, and like, um, you know, I start hearing that like companies are looking for ways to reconnect with their employees and have their employees reconnect with each other. And I, I get wind of this demand for virtual events. So I was like, shit, like we've been doing that for months. <laughs> so I just like, I just launched that product on, um, on my website. And uh, it just starts selling. Like, I just start getting solicitations. And it's just, it's become like, you know, it's super hard to like launch something on the internet and have people start buying it. Um, and this is like one of those rare moments where that's happening. And um, if you like do a Google search, like our virtual tasting is like in the top three uh, results. And so it's doing good. That's been amazing. Mm -hmm. It's doing good. Mm -hmm. Right. Good. I mean, meets opportunity I... meets preparedness. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, universe. Yeah. Um, that's been, um, that's, that's, that's interesting. That's been an interesting opportunity. And, um, you know, like with like zero marketing, like suddenly, like we've done tastings with like YouTube. We've done tastings with uh, with Google. We've done tastings with Snapchat. We've done tastings with uh, Kaiser Permanente. <laughs> uh, we've done tastings with Cisco. Uh, you know, like I, it's a lot of companies, um, and it's it's been awesome um, because you know I invite the farmers to join the conversations, and uh, I just love. I love seeing people's eyes light up when like the person from Central America jumps on and like they see the Central American mountains in the background and they see the coffee trees. And, and then, you know, it's just like, it's, it's helping people like get out of that mental mind space that they're in. Like, and it, it's a quick escape because we can't travel right now. Right. Mm -hmm. But like we can, you know, somehow like in our imagination go somewhere else. And, um, and it's been great, like fulfilling the mission, just like connecting people. And, and like, then like, you know, like these like Google employees can start like asking questions from like the coffee farmer, the coffee farmer. Yeah. I don't know who they've met, 
they pro they probably haven't been meeting with Google engineers, right? <laughs> so it's it's just been amazing to to watch that. It's like a it's a it's a human social experiment, like positive experiment happening in front of my eyes in real time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I'm tapping into something really important here. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep writing that because it's I think there's like um, there's a lot of potential there. I'm, and I'm happy, I'm happy to be doing this. You know, it's like, it's just innovation. It's like necessity is the mother of, of invention. And that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And now you're, you're also fulfilling your soul, you know? Yeah, exactly. The, These like, tastes so much fun. Yeah. Great. Yeah. You're doing something you love now compared to something that ate your soul up a little bit. Yeah. 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 Well, this has been an amazing this story. Is, yes. It's awesome. Thank you again for, for coming on and sharing. You guys check out Triple Coffee. I mean, triplecoffee.com. Or just Google Triple Coffee. That's probably the easiest way to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're, um, you know, the holiday seasons are coming up. I will admit our coffees are not cheap, right? Um, but it's like with all things, you you get what you pay for. Um, uh, they're delicious. And I promise you um, that we paid the coffee producers a lot of money like so let's just put it this way um like coffee on the commodity markets is like um maybe a dollar dollar fifty i think it's about a dollar specialty coffee is a little better well it's a lot better but the price for that uh is like 250 like three dollars a pound for green um like we're paying like $6 a pound, $7 a pound for coffee. Um, so yeah, but you guys are, you guys are the title of coffee. You actually pay the producers yeah. for what they're making. Yeah. You don't pay that. You don't pay that middleman. Not like, you don't, you're not like no... Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the power of direct trade that mm-hmm. like, um, you know, like I can, I can afford to pay the farmers like really good prices yeah. for the coffee. And of course I expect good coffee, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you know, we build a relationship and it's, it's awesome. We're in touch. It's really great. It's super fulfilling. I love it. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a little break and uh, it's my song of the week and it's actually coffee by Kelly Rowland. And this is a, uh, uh, for all for all you cochinas out there, just listen to this thing. <laughs> yeah, I was I was I was waiting to play this, and I was like, this is a perfect time. I, it came out this year; it's like a single. She probably got an album dropping, you know, probably in a month or next year. But uh, just listen and enjoy, guys. Salud. Coffee and sex in the morning. Breakfast and bag up. You know I'm a remedy, my love be a therapy, all around remedy. Baby, who instead of me? The bitches will never be. Put it down like it's heavy, baby. Honey, moan that when I day that we go. Soon as we wake up, wish we could lay up. Still stuck, I pay up. You running labor, need you to stay up. It's almost 
best of me. I know you need the stress relief, pay. Before we book a dress to leave, want you to try this recipe, pay. I know we just woke up. I know you gotta go, but breakfast isn't over. I see the way you rose up. Huh. Basically, morning, what do about it, girl, babe? Clearly, you agree, don't be trying to leave. Stay here with me. I put you right back to sleep. Get you right for the week. We can bake in the sheets. Let you parlay in the pain. I need to wake up. Soon as we wake up. Wish we could lay up. Still think I pay up. You running labor. Need you to stay up. It's almost safe. No time to waste. No time to Caesar song of week, coffee by Kelly Rowland. Yeah, you gotta have your coffee in the morning along with other things. So you know, it's a. Uh... If you listen to the lyrics carefully, it explains <laughs> those other things. Are. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Kelly. But yeah, I'm happy she's coming out with new jams. It's not just every the... time I think of her, I always think of that Nelly song. Exactly. Yeah. Video. But she has some other bangers too, but that's just the one that that comes up. It's not a music video, just the everything in that music video. Yeah, and then and Nelly's band aid. It isn't she. She's married to a former Dallas Cowboy, I think. I believe, yeah, she's married to uh, some lucky individual. Yeah, I can't think of his name, <laughs> but loose to him. Uh, did you like the song, Tim? I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> the ne- the remix will be called Triple Coffee. <laughs> and it'll probably it'll have nelly and queen bee on it because <laughs> the queen bee likes that surfboard if you know what i mean uh, don't get yourself in trouble i stay in trouble well uh you know what time it is Caesar. world news <laughs> last week we did a pretty in-depth coverage of everything that was going on so this you know just got a couple things to talk about this week mm-hmm. and especially since we have a little uh, expert in there with the uh, the california little semi shutdown they're calling it and a 10 p.m curfew and whatnot yeah mm-hmm. I'm to the people outside. <laughs> so, so, so is that the whole state uh I think it's like county by county. Mm-hmm. Uh, the la- the latest headlines I saw was that they're they're thinking about implementing it in San Francisco, um, but uh, they probably will. I mean, from what I've read, the um, the problem was that restaurants started letting people inside, mm-hmm. and I think there's been some transmissions because of that. But there's uh, they've had outdoor dining now for a few months, and that's been great. Mm, yeah, it's um, been awesome. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You were we met up in San Francisco. You saw that. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, we had like there was like outdoor dining one time I went in like in the Castro, 
and it was like a sports bar and they just put tables outside and it was great they did everything like they're supposed to do the tables were far enough apart uh you could only have so many people at a table all the servers you know wore the mask the whole time and like it was great but i think the shutdowns is like if you're in the purple like yeah by county by county if you're in the purple zone you have to shut down all indoor dining and then now there's like a curfew so like bars close obviously that, that are outside and it's winter time anyway so but I mean, it's getting bad here in washoe county i mm-hmm. mean we're way we're way worse than they are in anywhere in california <laughs> yeah i'm sure we're we're shutdowns are looming here as well as i think uh, our test positivity rate this week crossed like 17 or 18 percent oh man and, uh, we there's like the active number of cases has tripled in the last four weeks so that's why they're about to close the schools down and stuff because uh you know people stay the fuck home <laughs> yeah and i feel i feel the closing is probably going to come uh that monday after turkey day you know uh for like two weeks because there's like a little bit of buffer before christmas and things like that so it'll probably happen but it's still gonna be happening still gonna people just don't listen and and people just want to do what they want and they're not thinking about their their fellow man you know or woman we canceled our plan we were going to go to vegas for thanksgiving we're not we're not doing that my a brother in Arizona, they were going to travel. They're not doing it. You know, it's just, it's too much. Like, you know, like I said, my school was shut down for two weeks, you know, like, like a quarter of the staff had COVID. They, it's just, you can't, it, this isn't sustainable. We got to do something. Yeah. And like with kids keep going to school and that just spreads it out even more because, you know, they're seeing other people just like, just numbers wise, like things just need to shut down for, you know? And the thing is, it's like, is it worth it to see your family if, you know, you might get someone sick, you know? like Yeah, you might get grandma sick. Like, I talked to this lady on the phone uh, from work. She just got diagnosed with, like, lung cancer. And she's like, if I get it, I'm going to die of COVID and not and not my cancer, you know? And yeah. she, she's just, like, she's super scared to even go out. She has her sister do everything, like, to bring her, th- like, food and things like that to be even on the safer side because she doesn't even trust the people delivering the food because she's at such a scary health point in her yeah. life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, well, but in good news, uh, I, w- I won't say this person, I don't know if they're supposed to share this, but found out the, w- one of my friends, their, their father, is, it, it, their friend is a veteran and uh, is scheduled to get his first vaccine shot through the VA uh, like December 28th or something. Oh, so dang. vaccine is, is close. So hopefully sooner rather than later, you know, I was thinking maybe not until next fall, but maybe by, uh, you know, spring, summer, you know, this, this will turn the tide against this and businesses can open up and, and we can start going about things safely when we get the, you know, the most vulnerable people. So, Cause mm-hmm. he's like, I think he's like 78 or something. Like if we start, you know, getting the older people protected, the people who are more, most acceptable, then you yeah. know, this can then the trickle roll down. Out. Yeah, yeah. They said like by end of April, they're they're hoping most Americans get, will have access to it. So mm-hmm. that's that's hopeful. But also, so we got a lot. <laughs> also, conspiracy Caesar over here, government testing 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 all the drugs on our uh, on our soldiers and veterans. 
Oh, yeah, this guy had been exposed to, to Agent Orange, and See? that's why he's See? high risk. See? Conspiracy C is right here. <laughs> well, uh, in the culture, we had the versus battle everyone was waiting for. Jeezy versus Gucci the other At night. Atlanta, and they did it in Magic City. <laughs> Super spreader event right there. Uh, uh, did you see, like, pictures of, like, the how much it costs to get tables that night for the thing? It was, no. it was, it, it was insane. Uh, uh, how much was it? Oh, it was like three thousand dollars for like a bottle for one bottle, and like uh, just to get uh, the table like was extra on top of that. Because I think it was Jesus. I think shared like someone screenshot of it, and then like everyone was like, "Oh, remember when we used to go to clubs and you thought you were like I can remember the first time going to a club, you know, buying a bottle thinking, you know." We were balling in Vegas, you know. Like, it's like oh a, yeah, it's a like, hundred bucks, you know, like for like, Smirnoff. What am I actually paying for right now, like hundreds of dollars for something that costs thirty dollars at the store. Exactly. That's stupid. Yeah, <laughs> I re- I remember we I I've never really like bought bottles at the strip club, but I've like contributed to it, like for bachelor parties and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. They're like, hey, give us fifty bucks, you know, like blah blah blah, and I'm just like, yo. I could sneak in a bottle. I could sneak in multiple bottles. You know, like this is—it's ridiculous. Oh, I remember being so mad. I'm like, wait, wait. I like, I because it was in Vegas. Like, salutes to Mike. It was when he was bartending there, traveling Mike. You know, he, he hooked us up, mm-hmm. got us in Ghost Bar like Friday night. Like, you know, we're 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 thinking, you know, we're ballers. Like, and it was like a couple hundred bucks per person for everything. And I'm like, all we get is. We get one bottle to share. Yeah, you Start? get you get one bottle and like two juices and a, yeah. and a bucket of ice. Uh, can you bring us some extra cranberry juices, please? <laughs> I mean, hey, look. I mean, if you want to have a good time in Vegas, though, and you want to, you know, have the girls at the table. I mean, you have to, you know, it, yeah. And, you, you have to. Look, get it, the table. It, I'm not complaining, but it, it was it was <laughs> worth it. Would I do it now? No, but then yes. <laughs> It was it was worth it a hundred times. Like it was a great night. I, I re- yeah. No. He- we we. Sorry, I I was in uh in Vegas uh a long time ago with uh, some buddies, and we were all kind of like you know uh on a budget, right? Like we weren't balling. We didn't want to throw a lot of money down. So we were in the line, and like we meet some girls, and they're cool. They're feeling us. And then uh, they're like, so are you going to get a table? And we're like, nah, no way. <laughs> and they just they, they they gave it a deuces. <laughs> and we're like, damn it. <laughs> rookie mistake. Not a rookie so, uh, mistake, because that, that would have probably been bad news down the line anyways, you know? She would have, because like, you know, the girls like that, they could probably drink three bottles to themselves anyway. The the craziest story I've ever seen in the club, uh, when Mike launched his business, and this is how you know he was like making so much money. He got $2,000 in ones out and he was standing on top of our booth. Like we all had our own bottle of champagne and he was just making it rain (laughs) over the dance floor. And I, I could... I definitely remember like all these girls in high heels, you know, like their club attire on their hands and knees, picking up $1 bills while we're sitting there like dancing, you know, <laughs> looking, 
looking at my homie, being like, I can't believe this. This is such trifling bullshit. Mm -hmm. like, what and that's the last time I, I went to the club. After that, I'm like, <laughs> nothing will ever top this. I'm never, I'm never going again. I can't be a regular broke person. Like I, I have to have rich friends to do this. Yeah. No, because me, I've always worked at bicycle shops before my job with the man, you know? So I was always like living off of nothing. So like, even like going to a bachelor party, you're like, let me let me get a couple weeks to save up for this, actually, you know, <laughs> because like I wasn't, you know, making money. I was doing what I like to do, like working at bike shops and, you know, uh, traveling and wasting all my money there. And so like to go to like a bachelor party, you're like, all right, I got to put aside like 300 bucks, you know, and I got to make sure to drink even before I get in there, <laughs> you know, like, but but yeah. I would have loved to see that though. This guy throwing two thousand dollars in the air and watching girls on their knees pick it up. Hey, I would have paid for that. We'll, we'll, we'll that, make, that sounds worth. We'll make an up in the mix special. It was. It was just so ridiculous. I mean, it was so surreal. It was so surreal. Mm -hmm. Just, just I like. I was like, this is nothing. That will be the most club moment of my life. <laughs> nothing will ever top that. Like yeah. that explains the club right there. Like a bunch. Like, cause none of us could have ever afforded to do anything. Like it was our boy launching his business, you know, like just once in a lifetime party. So like, we're all sitting there that, you know, like I had driven, like, I remember I, I had driven my broke ass fucking car there, like with all the boys in it, you know, and we were going to take a cab home afterwards and just uh, like my one nice shirt at the time, you know, like my one nice <laughs> outfit, outfit at the time to go that was stylish and, Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's just. Yeah. Well. It was the Jeezy and Gucci though. Cause that was quite the, the show. I couldn't watch the whole thing. It was just. For me, it was kind of tough because it's just like, you obviously know there's this beef, you know? And I think Jeezy was like, he was trying to like be good about it because, you know, supposedly, you know, Allegedly, air allegedly, air quotes, you know, uh, Gucci got like Jeezy's cousin killed or brother killed or something like that. So like at this point, Jeezy was like saying, saying like, you know, we're we're rising above this, blah, blah, blah. And here comes Gucci with this song. Not hearing it, not hearing it. Yeah, with the song that about that he killed his cousin or brother or something like that. Right after Jeezy was just trying to be, you know, an adult about it. And for me watching it, it's just kind of like them kind of just pacing and walking around. It didn't seem like there was like a lot of energy in there. And it was just kind of like. It was uh, weird. Mm hmm. It was. Like, but th thankfully, the Twitterverse provided plenty of uh, <laughs> plenty of commentary. Yeah. That was. I feel like the reactions on Twitter were more entertaining than the actual thing itself yeah and i love how people were talking about who was dressed better on versus two and i was like i was like gucci be hitting that bicycle he's he's physically fit individual now yeah mm -hmm. what a, what a, i mean it's 2020 like everything's everything normal's out the window this is what we're doing for entertainment now <laughs> doing shows from the strip club not even going there yeah anyways no yeah no rules whatsoever yeah especially <laughs> especially when it's everything streamed anyways now speaking of other things yeah. that were disappointed this week 
I was looking so forward to the NBA draft, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm all week, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna, I, I'm actually gonna pay attention. The Warriors have a high pick, you know, maybe they're gonna trade it. Who knows? I tune in on the drafts at like 5:30 on Wednesday. I, I, I like get everything down. I'm like, all right, like I'm gonna sit down. I got my beer, get ready to watch. I turn on and they're talking about Clay Thompson's injury, and I'm like. Dude, Clay's back. What are you talking about? Like, that was last year. That's behind us. Like, we're looking forward. We're looking forward. It's 2021. What are you talking about? And they're like, hear that he got hurt that day. On his other leg. Yeah, the other leg. On his other leg. And I'm like, wait, what? And they're like, devastating injury. And then, like, later on, you hear it's an Achilles. I just, Clay Thompson's my boy. That's that's my guy. John uh, John B. out there, you know? uh, (laughs) (laughs) I, I didn't, I was like, People were texting me like, sorry, like my brother's texting me. My, my, my warrior fan, the little Bay area click was texting me like, sorry, man. Like, what are we going to do? I still got to, I still got to hop on the group, the Bay area or my Bay area friend group text and be like, mm-hmm. guys, how's everyone feeling? Yeah. A couple of days later, got to check in on everyone. Yeah. How's that? How are you feeling out there, Tim? Uh, I mean, I'm dude. I've been kind of like heads down, so uh, I I just see the headlines. Um, but uh, yeah, like I, I hope Clay Thompson's all right. I mean, we like here's the thing, man. Like suddenly, like the Lakers are quote unquote on top, and like you know they're they're starting to like shit on the Warriors and not. You know, I'm just not. I'm not gonna have that. Like that's not cool. <laughs> so. You know, warriors need to come back and you know just show them what's up. And like and like Sean and I were talking uh, in our text messages about this. It's like with LeBron, every like to beat LeBron, you have to be at a hundred percent like your whole team. You know, because LeBron is eighty percent of your team anyway. Sometimes LeBron's Thanos. You can't like they all yeah. gotta be. Mm-hmm. You can't have you can't have half the team off on another planet. No, they all have to be there, you know. And then, like, you know, you know, like the best shooters in the game, you know, like Clay and Steph. And you know that's how you're gonna have to beat LeBron is at a team sport because one on one, you know, Jimmy Butler showed you can do it for one game, but like LeBron is built to last seven games he he is his health the way he treats his body like he's 80 percent of a team they were they were saying like he's probably the healthiest human in history <laughs> like, like, <laughs> yeah. no no i saw he's this thing to be like 135 <laughs> yeah i i saw this thing he spends a million dollars every year on his body and it's like health stuff he like um uh he has like a physician that like has helped him uh, ever since he got hurt that one time in the finals, he had this guy who kind of taught him how to like land because he was like landing kind of rough. And he's like, you're getting old. Your joints can't take it. So as if you, after he got hurt, if you notice him like land, his whole body, he like absorbs the whole thing. It's like a mental thing. And he does like a cryogenic thing that like travels with him to like every place he goes to for the recovery and everything. Yeah. He is just he's treating his body as an investment, which it is, you know? And like, I, I mean, I have the, the, the utmost respect for LeBron James. Mm. I mean, that guy, like, you know, all the crap that I talk about Lakers or whatever, like, you know, it's just, we're just talking crap. Like I just, I respect him so much. He is like 
he just embodies like excellence like but like on a different level and he he deserves all of the the, the good things that come to him he's an amazing yeah, like, person as a warrior fan i'm like if the warriors aren't going to win it next year like i want lebron and the lakers to like as much as i hate to say that but like you know i want that man to get his due like people have hated on him for so much and he has never disappointed us like, culturally you know on the court like he he does what he holds it down like he's made mm-hmm. the world is better for him being here whether or not you're a basketball fan or not so, yeah yeah on the court yeah. off the yeah. court like off the court he does so much work and people are barely getting a hint of it you know he does so much off the off court stuff to help kids to help people in like communities especially in cleveland where he's from and in the midwest but yeah i just want him to accept that he's going bald that's the only thing <laughs> be like that's extra money you could put might be, uh, in might your be. Be rich enough not to accept, have to accept that. Season. But I'm saying that's more money he could put into his body instead of his hair. <laughs> and, you know, also as a Warrior fan, if you had told me six years ago, seven years ago that things would play out the way they had, I mean, I, I'll take it. Like the Warriors <laughs> were fucking terrible my entire life. Like, so, <laughs> like I'm not gonna apologize for enjoying this this last five six years. And, uh, you know, it helps to provide perspective. Like, even if Clay, like, they're like, oh, they're never going to win again. But, like, you have to remember, Warrior fans are just happy to have legit good players on the team at one point. Like, when Steph and Clay were good, I was happy with that. Like, oh, we got legitimate NBA players on the squad. Like, we're not a laughing stock. So, everything else is gravy. Like, hopefully he comes back next year. And, uh, you know, they can make things interesting. Who knows? James, I like Jameis Wiseman. Um, I mean, the, the Warriors just need to go back to their roots. I mean, they were like, they had obviously like the best NBA players, but they had an amazing bench and like the bench carried them during that first uh, championship. Um, and, you know, eventually they traded the bench to get uh, Kevin Durant. And, you know, we all saw how that played out, yeah. but okay. They're going to have to go yeah. back and, and do the strength and numbers thing and not rely so much on superstars, but have that whole team. Yeah. So hopefully. We'll... And that's actually, that's actually better basketball to watch. I mean, I, lo- I loved watching that team of the Warriors, just like everyone pitching in, like playing the team sport, moving the ball, uh, outsmarting the, uh, the, com- the competition. I mean, like yeah. that's like Steve Kerr, I, genius basketball coach um you know like during that first championship you know they saw that uh you know the the big uh the bigger team was beating the warriors he made that strategic move to bring in the small players um which is counterintuitive but it worked and uh so it changed, uh, it i like league like everyone's copied that since mm-hmm. yep yep yeah, because, like, once again, a whole team has to beat LeBron, you know? Because, like, <laughs> like it's fun to see, like, Westbrook and, like, Harden play. It's a lot of one-on-one. Like, it's fun to watch, but it's, like, it's be- like you said, it's better to watch a team play really well together and just execute than a bunch of one-on-one. Like, if I want to watch that, I could go, you know, to, you know, what's that three-on-three, you know, watch the, the Ice Cube one, you know? 
you know, but like yeah, whatever that's yeah, the big three leagues. Yeah, but it's just like <laughs> like basketball is a team sport, and like to have your whole squad, it just you know makes it makes it feel like it's so much better to watch for me. Yeah, yeah, I love I love watching strategy mm-hmm. um, when uh, when you kind of just pull your resources resources together and execute them in the right way. I mean, shout out to the San Francisco Giants, right? Like they came in. Yeah. Uh, for that that last championship in uh, 2016, was it? Uh, what was it like? Every two years, it was 2010, 2012, 2014, <laughs> right? 2014. Yeah. yeah, yeah, 2014. They came in as like the wild card, uh, and you know the man Bruce Bochy, you know, just like put the, you know, they played scrappy baseball. They just he just put all the pieces, whatever he had. I mean, granted, you know, they had. Uh, Madison um, Bumgarner just mad mad bomb. I mean, all right, like for he had his LeBron moment there, <laughs> where he just you know carried the team. But still, you know. Yeah, I awesome. feel like as Bay Area sports fans, you know, like when our teams aren't always like juggernauts. Like they they're smart and they kind of like you know do what like bar- do what they can to barely scrape by and. I think uh, that's why we love them so much. Like, it's not like, they're not like the Yankees. They're not like the yeah. Lakers. They're not these teams that always have the best players and just fucking steamroll people. You know, yeah, it's always, yeah. they got, they, they, you know, they got like the, the lovable crafty guys that, uh, that, that take you to the top. So triple coffee. What's up? <laughs> there we go. Uh, area excellence all around. Yes. All around baby. <laughs> yep. Before we go to our break, Caesar, you want to you want to tell everyone about our hero of the week this week. So, R.I.P. Salute to you to Georgia May Adkins. She she died in October, and she's like a Minnesota St. Paul native, and she she had in her will and to put in her obituary, obituary that instead of bothering the florist, she said in lieu of flowers. Just don't vote for Trump. <laughs> and like she she put that in her little will for her obituary to put on there. And I was like, Phew, salute to you, lady, you know. But yeah, yeah, she like died in October and I and I Associated Press picked it up and I read it and I was like, that's tight. That's tight yeah. to have, you know, like, don't give me flowers. Just go and vote. Just don't vote for Trump. I don't know. Yeah. Getting people engaged. Mm-hmm. Yep. Her last. That's like just like John McCain throwing shade from the grave when he didn't <laughs> did invite Trump to allow him to go to his funeral. Yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so salute, salute to you, Georgia. Yeah. You know, up there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Georgia. Well, uh, my song of the week. Since we have the Bay Area connection, I had to play someone from the Bay Area. It's one of Caesar and I's favorite newer artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got "Click Quote Showers" by Collaborate. This is the uh, the Colors Show edition. If you guys are familiar with that YouTube channel, where they have different artists come in and perform in their studio, of amazing colors, and it's just them in a microphone. Uh, so Collaborate, born in Sacramento, raised in Oakland. Uh, listen and enjoy. Salud. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. I'm everywhere, you never be just like a popular bitch. I don't listen to what you say, I got the rock in the stick. You wanna take a pic with me so you look poppin' and shit. Say what you mean, stop tryna switch the fucking topic and shit. And know it's us when we pull up soon as we walk in this bitch. Was born into the game, I never was adopted in this. Relax, little baby, ain't no need to do no arguing here. I kept it honest, kept it G-Way from the start of this shit. Yeah, yeah, from the start of this shit. I kept it honest, kept it G-Way from the start of this shit. Ooh, way from the start of this shit. Kept it honest, kept it G, uh, ay. I ain't come to play no games unless I'm getting comped in this bitch. After my blood, sweat, and tears, I put my heart in this shit. They say you make it when you rich, feel like I'm already rich. And you can't change with me when I see who you already is. Since a youngin', I've been running, jumping, hopping the fence. Hard-headed, they can never make me stop when they said it. Ask me if I regret it. Hell nah, I probably never will. I wear all my scars with a smile, getting better still. That's for all my ladies in the crowd, yeah, it's you I feel. That's for all my niggas in the field, that's why we keep it real. If you play with me, this shit is real, I swear it's not a drill. I'ma make a million by myself with the without a deal I'ma take my family from the bottoms to the top of hills I'ma make my girl feel like she living in Beyonce crib I'ma build my credit, pay my debt afterwards, cop and flip Same nigga, same number, call me Big Papa More money, more problems, more bitches, more clout For the clique, go shower Oh, it's so cold when the sweet goes sour Oh, it's so sweet when the free throws out of Quick flight to Vegas, we don't need no baggage we be in the money, I'm a green thumb addict. Want my money longer than a peacoat jacket on a nigga taller shackets. I don't need no acting. No got time to hear about what you need or what you asking. Wasn't there when I was in need, so why you asking? Do my business sober, only weed for the passion. Something for the soldier when a G need patching. No, it's never over, but they keep on asking. Flowing like a poet, we gon' keep on snapping. I'ma get the ball and I'ma keep on passing. Flowing like a poet, they gon' keep on asking. Yeah, I'm everywhere, you never be just like a popular. Bitch. I don't listen to what you say, I got the rock in the stick You wanna take a pic with me so you look poppin' and shit Say what you mean, stop tryna switch the fucking topic and shit Ain't know it's us when we pull up soon as we walk in this bitch Was born into the game, I never was adopted in this Relax the baby, ain't no need to do no arguing here I kept it honest, kept it G-Way from the start of this shit Yeah, yeah, we're from the start of this shit I kept it honest, kept it G-Way from the start of this shit Ooh, way from the start of this shit I kept it honest, kept it G-Way from the start of this shit Welcome back, guys. That was Sean's song of the week, and uh, it was what Salok showers, Salok showers by Collaborate from uh, you know the Bay Area. Yeah, uh, Bay obviously area. We, we played him a lot. Uh, you know, we love his music. Check him out if you haven't. I'll, I'll never forget like he played that one song of his for Willem. Mm-hmm. I remember playing that in my classroom, and I had a kid come up and ask me like, "Who is this?" Mm-hmm. And then he like used that song in like a. a a paper he wrote about himself like one of the lines in the song just really stuck with him and and, and you know that's how you know it's a good artist when someone can hear it one time and be like damn like he's dropping some knowledge you know, and, and it, it was great to see that so followed him ever since salute to that kid i'm i am manipulating the future apparently <laughs> but uh no and what i like about him he's very introspective kind of like isaiah rashad in that respect where they like they're talking about themselves and growing up and all the hardships and like trying to figure out who they are and you know with your friends and things like that so it's just awesome especially in an era you know when we have like oh yeah give me that bugatti or give me the bag you know like what's more important it's about yourself like know thyself follow your heart what we say here all the time and up in the mix and that's why yeah, like, it's a real hip-hop real hip-hop real hip-hop yes exactly you know like the backpackers you know like things like that know thyself <laughs> so uh check out wait wait is it 
is it good to be a backpacker or not? I, I have, I've actually if, lost it, I think at this point, it's not. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's not, too right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. That was like 15, 16, 17 years ago. I feel like that was where hip hop was, but. Yeah. 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 It's not yeah. there anymore. Yeah. So, so two, two things not to be. Don't be a backpacker and don't be a fuck boy. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That's a pretty good. Yeah. Like every every fourteen year old boy should, should <laughs> learn those two things. Uh, and the more you know yourself, the less of a fuck boy you're gonna be, unless you're a real fucking douchebag. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Because you really can't yeah, change that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, next up, we have our meandering questions, Tim. Uh, we asked versions of these to each of our guests. Some of them we've changed specifically for you and your knowledge. So uh, we're going to get your opinion on several things. Caesar, why don't you ask him the first question? Uh, so other than Honduras and Central America, what's your favorite region for like coffee? I, I really love Ethiopian coffees, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah, they're the bomb, and they're uh, really delicious in uh, in lattes and cappuccinos. Lattes in particular, mm-hmm. like oof, a nice Ethiopian latte, damn. Yeah, no, like yeah. I uh, last time I went to Sacramento, I went to Temple, and I got their Ethiopian one, and it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. A few weeks ago, I was in Oakland. I I went to Royal Coffee. They've got a cafe and. Just had an amazing Ethiopian latte. I mean, it just carried me through the day. It was delicious. Yeah, and it's awesome because Oakland is coming up on the coffee game. Like, oh yeah, dude, dude, yeah, dude. Oakland's been on the coffee game. (laughs) No, no, a lot of people don't think about it, you know, because they're like, oh, San Francisco, Mm. you know. But like, just go into like those little, uh, you know, little little coffee shops, and they got like bomb coffee over there. It's like, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a good place for coffee for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Next one, uh, what are who are your f- top five hip hop artists slash rappers? Oh shit! All right, <laughs> you can go top five, or you can go your favorite. Yeah, you like. it's like this is like a a question that could be taken. First, in, this is anyway. your first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, uh, let's see. Actually, I shared my my playlist with you, um, but uh, there's a uh, well. Um, fuck, you're you put me on the spot. You're making me blank. <laughs> uh, all right, obviously Mob Deep, like Mob Deep. Nice. I love that. I love that. Like raw, like you know, and they're just so good with lyrics. Um, Tupac, of course, uh, and. Um, Oh, dude, you're, you're, all right. So, like, I listened to this record for like one entire year of my life and I'm blanking, blanking on their names. Um, the guys that made like, it's all about hip hop. Dead Prez. Dead Prez. Dead Prez. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. That, that record right there just like changed my life, dude. I listened to it straight for like every day, every day. Just Dead Prez. Nice. Um, <laughs> Yeah, love yeah, that's, that's what yeah, made that's yeah. what made you love the people right there. It was dead press. We found the source. Dude, the revolution <laughs> is being televised. Um, and then, and then I I got to go back to like what I grew up on, like Too Short, Easy E, 
um, you know, NWA, like Easy a little more because who <laughs> was just so gangsta, like gangsta. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. West Coast yeah. boy, West Coast boy, his roots, right yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. Those guys were so raw, especially from San Palo out there. You know, where it's pretty raw, diggity. I can remember yeah, I had a friend San Pablo after. I, I lived in Reno and I had a friend who also was from the East Bay and, and moved here and we met and he, he found out when he found out I was from the Bay Area, he got mad at me at the time. This was like 1995. He was mad because I listened to East Coast. Like I, I can <laughs> trying to get him to like listen to like Notorious B.I.G. or Jay-Z or Nas and him being like, the Ollie fuck with Mob Deep. Everyone else on the East Coast, that shit's whack. Like West Side. <laughs> <laughs> how crazy is mob yeah. deep the only east coast you know that was his thing he was like oh mob deep's cool but uh no i don't fuck with that was, that's how it was back you know that's how mm -hmm. it was in the mid 90s you, you you picked your side and you rode with them i think shook one yeah. just transcended everything <laughs> yeah yeah and god you know like if you really like hip-hop i mean you you've got what you like and and then and if and when you and you stick with that right like you might tell me what you like but i'm gonna judge you you know like I, <laughs> <laughs> you know like it's uh, you know what you like and uh, everything outside of that is garbage yeah that and that's that's hip-hop and what i like about hip-hop now is there's so many different little subsects of hip-hop compared to like back in the day it was either like underground or like gangster rap and a little bit of shit you heard on the radio, you know, like Skilo, yeah, like yeah. Skilo, I wish. Like it's a fun song, but it's just like, you know, like it's nostalgic. That's why people like. You're also just happy to have, like back then, you know, hip hop hadn't taken over. You were mm -hmm. just happy to have hip hop music on, videos playing on MTV mm -hmm. or, or whatever. Now, now that the culture's yeah. taken over, we could we could argue amongst ourselves over what what lane's the best and judge people as yeah. well. Because <laughs> yeah, not putting exactly. out any, not putting out any names or anything. But remember that one time, Sean, where it was like Pitbull is a great rapper. <laughs> oh, no. oh, so much judgment went on at that table that day. <laughs> yes, yes. Like who? <laughs> who brought? Who brought this person best, in? The best part was like, this is why the, our friend who it was was like, this is why I don't let you hang out around my friends. You say stuff like. <laughs> Because the whole table went silent because we started talking about music and they <laughs> and they chimed in. We're like, cool. And then they're like, uh, yeah, no, Pitbull's my favorite rapper. And everyone was just like, <laughs> and didn't want to do We were the record scratch. Yeah, we were respectful. We didn't like. <laughs> no one just, said anything, <laughs> but it was just like, dude went out of the room and he looked at her and was like, this is why I don't let you do that. <laughs> Oh, oh. I make mean, that's definitely gonna have to be a scene. That's a great story. <laughs> it's oh fantastic, and just like a table of hip hop heads, and it was just like <laughs> it just got so silent so fast. I can picture it. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, then I just went like this into my beer. <laughs> I was like, I'm not gonna go into that thing, but yeah. All right, good choices though. Good choices. Um, Thank you. Uh, what's the best movie you've seen this decade, the last 10 years? Um, 
Oh man, so many. I I gotta I gotta say like I I'm a, a sci-fi junkie. Um, so oof, like Inception, I've seen that movie. I don't know how many times. Just like the thought of like going into like different layer layers of like consciousness to kind of like you know plant a seed that like leads someone into like a very specific and very determined direction is just mind-boggling so uh yeah inception i loved that movie that's for awesome. sure that's, awesome. that's a good one did you see Tenet? Yeah. which one did you see tenet no i haven't seen that one uh, what's it about it's uh it's christopher nolan it's it's very similar in that it, it like like uh with inception how it you know Inception was about consciousness. Tenant is the same, but it's about time. Mm-hmm. And it's super hard concept. I saw it in theaters like last month. I saw it in the drive-in. I want to see it again because it's like Inception. Like I need to see it. Like it's gonna be like the third or fourth time before I understand everything. But it made it, it makes you think. And I'm sure the second and third time I watch it, it'd be like when you watch Inception where you start. It, it, it's it's really cool and just the the entire concept of time it messes with time the way inception messed with the mind and the consciousness I'm, I'm yeah probably, and then like what's that i'm probably gonna go see it today okay i'm excited right. yeah i'll check that out um but just the way they end the movie also just messes with your mind like like you know with dicaprio mm-hmm. like spinning the thing and like it's wobbling and then and then you know it ends like, all right, like, is he... You don't know for sure. Still, you don't know for sure. Like, mm-hmm. mm, yeah, that's crazy. Salute so to Christopher Nolan. These movies are, are mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. And how he thinks of this these things, it's... But I, I, I didn't know this till recently. He studied, like, philosophy and uh, metaphysics. So that's why he's... He, they're featured so heavily in his, in his movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. See, if I would have, young Caesar, if I would have known, I would have studied, because I wanted to do philosophy, but I was like, I don't want to be a philosophy teacher, you know? I should have just became a writer of movies. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's never too late. Yeah, we'll see when I'm I'm having my soul-crushing job. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, the next question do you wash like with a rag, a loofah, or a brush, or just a bar of soap? And it's, it's do, you, do you use soap or just a body wash? <laughs> um, so actually, uh, I um, so I'm part of a swim club in San Francisco called the Dolphin Club, and uh, there's like you know it's like old school. Uh, like super old school when you go in there it's like you're walking into like a like a men's locker room of from the 50s right like it even <laughs> it even smells old and um like I, I i got onto this like uh body wash that people like to use there i forget the name but it's like very minty um like uh it comes in like the beautiful not beautiful but like this blue label um, it just looks old school, like, uh, Americana from 1950s. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so I, I, my body wash, <laughs> cut to the chase, body wash. Um, 
I guess with a fluffy sponge too. Oh. <laughs> Good for you. Good. Yeah. Self-care is important. Because that's what we've been talking yeah. about in men and their self-care. There's a lot of guys that yeah. don't really do anything, you know? Like, And it's important. Like, the lady gets mad that, like, you know, I use that good cocoa butter, you know? Keep me nice and, you know, lathered. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I'll have to take a closer smell next time I meet you in person. <laughs> <laughs> was not able to appreciate the cocoa butter the first time we met. Yeah, well, also, I was drinking all day, so I probably smelled more like alcohol than cocoa butter. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we got to stay six feet away right now. So In general. Uh, when, yeah. yeah. But when, Next time, though. But when we take our trip for the documentary experience, we'll probably have plenty, yeah. plenty of time to, you know, right. smell the essence. <laughs> Last question. Hey. And I, I changed this after we started. What is your best area of the Bay Area and why? As someone who's lived in both San Francisco and the East Bay, what's your favorite? Man, that's a that's a really tough question. Um, I uh, I love you know I love the Bay Area. It's got everything, right? It's got ocean. It's got forests. Uh, it's got hills. Um, I, I gotta say, like I, I love, I love where I live now. Um, like, uh, it's the Marina District. It's, you know, I don't, you know, it's it's got a reputation of being like super broy and like very fratty and all that. And it's it does have that stuff. Uh, I don't love it because of that. Um, like, uh, just being in, growing up in the Bay Area, I'm a naturalist. Like, I love nature. Um, I love redwoods. Um, I love the bay. I love the water. I love the views from the water. Um, I swim in the bay in that freezing ass water. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, I just, I love all of it um, for better or worse. And so I, I walk, um, you know, like three blocks uh, to the aquatic park next to Fisherman's Wharf. And I, I swim there with the other uh, swimmers. Uh, I'm a part of the club that's right there at the aquatic park. I mentioned it, the Dolphin Club. Um, it's like, dude, it's like San Francisco's best kept secret. Like it's open to the public. Anyone can join. Um, 50 bucks a, a month. And uh, well, during normal times, right now it's closed because of COVID, but during normal times, you go in there, there's lockers, there's, there's uh, weight machines, there's, um, they have these amazing rowboats, dude, uh, that like were built in like the early 1900s. I mean, these things like belong in a museum and, and members can use them Ooh. and you can, you can row, you can row out to, um, Alcatraz Island, dude. Like I, you know, like you row in like 10 minutes, you're at Alcatraz, like, just a few feet away, you can row around Alcatraz. Um, you can roll to the Golden Gate Bridge. Row to the Golden Gate Bridge. It's just That's dope crazy. as hell. You got to make yeah. sure the cardio's up, though. That's the thing. You got to make sure your cardio's up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to build up to that, right? Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, "Yo, I want to yeah. go," but then in my head, I was like, "You're not built for that." <laughs> You're only built. For I can say, babies. yo, dude. Once, uh, once. Uh, you know, COVID passes once they reopen the club, and I can bring guests. Both of you guys are more than welcome. 
to join me. I can take guests out on the rowboats, um, and uh, it's big enough to fit. I mean, these rowboats actually, back in like the gold rush times, and or back when they used to use like uh, like massive sailboats to like transport stuff. These boats were the boats that were used to like transport people back and forth from the boats. So they actually have like pretty interesting history and in, like in terms of like uh, marine history. Um, but yeah, I, I love being close to the water. I'm just like two blocks away from the bay and I can go biking here. I, I bike across the Golden Gate Bridge to the Marin Headlands, um, to the Redwood Forest. So I just, yeah, it's just, this little area right here embodies everything that I love about the Bay Area. That's yeah, cool. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm excited. You guys are welcome at any time. Dolphin Club, I'm that excited. Be a tough question to ask or to answer. So mm -hmm. good, good, good answer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And by the way, I, I should say that um, as Triple Coffee, we like to uh, brew coffee outdoors. Um, and so we do like social distance coffee tastings. Um, I, I bring my little, uh, camping stove, the little propane tank with the burner and we, we heat up water. Um, I pre-grind the coffee or I bring my portable grinder. I bring my, my Chemex and we do pour overs outside and it's just, we enjoy the views and we, we drink great coffee. So all of you guys, both of you guys, Sean, Cesar. And your listeners are, are more than welcome to reach out and we can set that up. I'd be more than happy to host you guys. Awesome. Um, might as well give out your social medias. All right. Um, so we are at triple.coffee. So triple.coffee. Um, that works for Instagram. That works for Snap. Um, pretty sure that works for TikTok. I need a, I'm not so involved <laughs> on there yet. But uh, we got the account there. Um, <clears throat> you can our our Instagram is linked to our uh, homepage of our store. So just go to triplecoffee.co or Google Triple Coffee. Um, Triple Coffee is easy to remember. And um, yeah, just uh, on Instagram, I'm on I'm on there all the time. If you send a message, I will reply. So yeah, just hit me up. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much again for, for yes. coming on and sharing your story. Fantastic. Uh, if you, it, again, you guys check out his coffee. Like you've heard the story, uh, amazing brand, amazing mission. So uh, support, you know, another local uh, business. Yeah. Yeah. And especially direct from the source. There's no middleman. There's no nothing. Homeboy roast it and then you get it. That's how it works. Yep. That's how it works. That's mm -hmm. exactly how it works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they roast on site. So yeah. Yeah. We roast over here in Oakland. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, before... yeah. So, well, also I want to shout out to the coffee producers. So, um, the Pacamara natural comes from Abel Giron. Um, his son actually follows me on Instagram. We're in touch. Cool kid. Um, and then Olvin Valle, uh, who made the, uh, who grows the beans for the Japanese exclusive, and Manuel Vallecillo, who grows the beans for the Divine Espresso, and it's, it's a bomb. 
Yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, I got some of that espresso. It was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's dope. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. Yep. All right. Well, make sure give him a follow on his social medias. Give us a follow if you haven't already. You can hear Caesar and I every Friday night from 9 to 11 on 97.7 K-Wink or kwinkradio.org with our hip-hop radio show where we play nothing but the best in hip-hop. And, uh, you know, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you consume your podcast from mm -hmm. Spotify to Apple to Google Play. Yeah, and on the YouTubes as well now. So, like, yeah, like, comment, subscribe. Let us know if you like us. Let us know if you hate us. Or, you know, you just... Uh, you know, know something about anything. Uh, before yeah. we go, Tim, is there anything else you want to say uh, about uh, your your coffee and uh, the mission or, or what you're trying to do? I mean, no, I mean, I think we covered it. Um, it's, I think like it's been, it was pretty important for me to like, you know, get on the call with you guys because uh, you guys are doing like the hip hop thing and hip hop has been like a huge influence in my life um huge huge influence um uh you know for better or worse right like uh <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah you know like i just love the the combative style of hip-hop i love the uh you know like kind of you know trying to like achieve a certain goal um and uh you know, like I actually kind of have to balance myself sometimes because I, you know, the hip hop in me wants to like start like shitting on other roasters and like I want to get into that like. You want to get your DMX on? Oh, oh, oh! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> your coffee, your coffee, shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's a different uh, game, so I have to like, mm -hmm. you know, tone it down. But yeah, no, it's a pleasure to be with you guys. Um, and uh, it's a pleasure to be connecting with the hip hop community. And uh, yeah, you know, just drink better coffee. That's what I got to say. Mm -hmm. There you go. Yep. Yep. Heard it from the source. Yes. <laughs> and then just be on the lookout for future endeavors of, uh, you know, up in the mix and triple coffee. Hopefully, yeah. Oh, hopefully, we'll be canoeing to, uh, you know, uh, Alcatraz soon. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Next time later, hopefully. Stay safe. Mm -hmm. Wear a mask. Stop spreading the Rona. And uh, pray for Clay Thompson. <laughs> yeah, this is a Della photo. Stay hydrated. Make sure your feet are warm because winter is coming. Peace. There you have it, hip hoppers and mark ass busters, baby mamas and nine to fivers. This is another fine ass edition of Up in the Mix with Captain Kulo, the Truth, and the Token White Guy. I just want y'all to know, last time I got blowed, Snickers bars was a nickel. This is AKA Most Deaf, AKA El Negro, AKA Grumpy, AKA Jamal left at 2.15 AM saying peace and hair grease. Make sure you follow at www.upinthemix.live and Della Photorino. That's D-E-L-A-F-O-T-O-R-E-N-O. -E -E so until next time, stay black.